Welcome to Building Sustainability, the podcast that brings you interviews with designers, builders, makers, dreamers and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. I'm your host, Jeffrey Hart. Hello and welcome to episode 23, being recorded on the 12th of July, 2020. This episode features a conversation with Sukita Ray Krimal. Sukita is the knowledge in modern earthen floors. She has laid thousands of square feet of earth floors uh, in her native Portland, Oregon, and she's written the book Earthen Floors, A Modern Approach to an Ancient Practice. She was also my teacher back in Oregon when I started my natural building journey. Before then, I'd never experienced an earthen floor, either to walk on or to install. I spent the summer in a straw bale house which had an earthen floor and I fell completely in love with the the feeling beneath my feet and when it came to learning how to install them I really enjoyed the the precision but also the the practice. When I returned to the UK earth floors became one of my specialities. Um, I've now laid countless floors around the UK and have taught many to lay their own. The most visible of these was a home in Herefordshire, which featured on Grand Designs, the TV show. It was an episode in which the couple building it took over 10 years to uh, to complete it. And I'd say it's still not completed now. It was said by the uh, the homeowners that Kevin MacLeod said the earth floor I installed for them was the best earth floor he'd ever walked on. Now, I sent him a Twitter message asking him to confirm this. But no reply. I'm sure it's true. So this episode, uh, I've had to edit quite a lot out. Um, turns out that if you get two earth floor geeks in conversation, then they'll talk for, I mean, quite literally hours. Um, so I've had to chop quite a lot out. The bits which maybe didn't quite sort of flow in the conversation, I have stuck on the Patreon site. That's patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. So there's more chat on insulation under earth floors uh, and also using earth floors in bathrooms. This episode is the first episode to feature questions that have been sourced by the, the Patreon subscribers. That's it from me. I'll be back at the end just to give a couple more points about earth floors and also make some podcast recommendations. So until then, enjoy the episode. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I've, I've labeled this the basic questions that I always get asked. Yes. Uh, are you going to ask them? Are you going to ask them to me or am I going to tell you what I know? <laughs> well, I, I'm going to ask them to you as if I know okay. nothing. Okay. okay. Then so I'll answer. Might, as, might be a bit if weird. you know nothing. Yeah. Oh, no. It's normal. I, I have that all the time. Yeah. What's a dirt floor? Exactly. What? So there you go. <laughs> Let's begin with that. What's an earth floor? What's a dirt floor? Oh, well, language wise, the term dirt floor would not be considered what I do because dirt floors are not sealed. There mm-hmm. uh, are ancient technology is we've had dirt floors in many of our ancient lives. So dirt floors are historic. They've been here forever. We still have dirt floors uh-huh. in various places of the world. Unfortunately, um, there are results of living with dirt floors that are not convenient to our modern life. And a lot of that has to do with cleanliness, but then it gets into health and we're all having longer lived lives because we have safer health environments, home environments. And so an earthen floor is a modern dirt floor in that it has been sealed. I could get into that a little bit, but an earthen floor is similar to a dirt floor in that it's a mix of sand, aggregate material, and a clay-rich soil. Mm -hmm. And some sort of fiber um, is common in all dirt floors, um, whether it's long rice grass or just any fiber people use all over i particularly use chopped straw as a as a fiber here in oregon and that mix is mixed wet like people are familiar with cement it's like a mixed wet material and then you trowel it out as a thickness and that they're very answer various answers of how thick but you trowel it wet uh and you could do things to make it smoother and smoother with different tools but troweled wet mm-hmm. let dry and after it's dry, it's saturated with drying oils, which are these oils that um, drying means that it's a curing process of molecularly all of those little molecules in the oil in their um, exposure to oxygen oxidize and they link up and make lots and lots of strong chains, polymer chains throughout the matrix of the oil in the mud. And so I like to have the oil as deep as I can. I get about a half inch penetration of the oil so you have a hard water resistant um, surface that allows one to have a very uh, modern safe healthy yeah earthen floor in their homes today. So it's, it's that oil <laughs> that's really key to the you know the difference between a you know maybe a, a mud floor from many years ago to, to this sort of modern beautiful yeah. functional yeah and there are definitely a lot of different stories around people trying other things to seal even in ancient ways um, like um, ghee or other soaps you know something that hardens and coagulates in that blood substrate blood blood yeah people have used blood so oil is not the only um, answer to sealing a a dirt floor Um, it's just what I use typically and what is 
um, known to be the most common right now mm-hmm. in earthen floor technology. But I, I hope that there can actually be a um, variety of things that can do it as we develop more because yeah. the oil is wonderful, but it, it is, um, uh, it's, it can be expensive. Um, it's got some sense to it. Uh, smells, I guess is the way mm-hmm. to say it. that can be hard for people. Um, and we get into the technicals of that as we go further, but, um, oil's the main, yeah, yeah. Oil's the main thing. Sealing your earthen floor with oil, um, a drying oil. You wouldn't want to just put any oil on because some oils will, um, just, um, but just sit and go rancid, uh, won't they? Rancid is the word. Yeah, I'm like they yeah. get stinky and bad, so you don't want to do that. But <laughs> don't put oil, olive lin- oil on your, on your floor. I no. don't think olive oil is a drying oil, so yeah, I don't think that one is. But no. linseed oil or tongue oil, I think sunflower oil. There's a few that are hemp. That are, hemp oil is hemp say. oil. Yeah, I've done no. hemp oil. Yeah, and as the world starts to <laughs> re-embrace hemp, we will probably use that more. Hopefully, and yeah. I think. I think that one has a, a, a less smell too. So yeah, that'll be, that'll yeah, be good. It's, it's quite sort of nutty in, uh, in smell. I use it on yeah. my, my woodworking stuff. Yeah. Tongue oil is similar in that nuttiness, but hemp can be so, um, hemp is similar to flax and then it's a grain. So it could, yeah. it could grow fast and tongue is, um, from a tree a nut in a tree. So uh-huh. it's a slower, slower producing oil. <laughs> nice. I'm going to stop you there. Cause we're, but in the geek out section later. I, I know, to, I get too geeky right away. <laughs> we, we just wanted to delve right into the nerding out on oils. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's bring it back to the, the beginner earth floor bits. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. Are, what are the benefits? Like, why would you choose a, an earth floor? Well, there's depends on your decision-making process. So if you're making decisions based on wanting to reduce your ecological impact on the world, earthen floors are straight up the best answer is my opinion Mm -hmm. you and i've done some fact checking on this it's basically the amount of embodied energy the amount of carbon used to create the product of any floor system yeah earth is less than any of them less than even wood um because that's a pretty low one yeah concrete meaning one of the highest because the amount of energy produced to make concrete is extreme and earthen floors you can Um, get your materials from local places, but mainly it doesn't require a lot of fossil fuels to heat up a product to turn it into something that you're going to use. Yeah. So that's a lot of geeky, but the basics around wanting to be a low impact, ecological impact flooring system in your home, that's one reason. Um, Hard surfaces that are sweepable and moppable are also adding indoor air quality um, comfort carpets and other um, porous floors can be not great for indoor air quality. So people make choices around indoor air quality. So health uh-huh. in the home, health in the larger environment. And then the answer when I have asked this question to my um, previous clients, everybody just says it's just wonderful to walk on. The beauty, mm, the aesthetics of it, the feel of it is the main thing that people respond to. Those are all heady things of like your ecological impact, but how you feel in your home, how it feels to have an earthen floor in your home is uh touching people just really touched by it yeah they just love it oh yeah i I (laughs) took a group of our students to see uh, an earth floor that we'd made and the the, yeah the guy welcomed everyone in and then he said what are you all wearing socks for 
you've just got to, <laughs> you've got to get your socks off and feel this mm-hmm. floor. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. he was, he was so overjoyed to be you know, spending his day padding about on it. Yeah. People want to walk on it. Yeah. And that's, that's not something you, t- you hear about from other floors very often. So no. that's the main response yeah. I get. That's interesting. Actually. I've never thought of that. I've never heard someone say, oh, you've just got to walk on this wooden floor. Right. Because, yeah. <laughs> you've got to feel how these tiles feel under your feet. Um, yeah. 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 Interesting. I've, yeah. Um, that, that same client uh, sort of on the benefits front, he, uh, he said to me, like, there's talk of it sort of being a little bit softer, you know, if, I guess, compared to a, a cement floor. And, yeah. uh, and we talked about that. And then he phoned me up about sort of two weeks after I'd finished the floor. And he said, uh, do you know what? The softer thing is totally true. My toddler just pulled all of the crockery out of the, the cupboard and they all bounced. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. And that's he a was, great story. He was overjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. That's good story. Yeah. I've had earthen floors in houses that are up against a concrete slab. Uh-huh. So there's like part of the house has concrete and part of it has earth. And that's a really powerful spot to stand there and feel the difference. Uh-huh. It's subtle. It's like a subtle thing because it is a hard floor, but it, yeah, it just feels better on your body. Yeah. So if I was stood with one foot on each, what would, what would the differences be? What would I be feeling? Um, I think it's slightly warmer. It's like a, probably not much of a temperature thing. I've done some temperature ratings on it. It's less dense than a concrete floor mm-hmm. because um, of the process of the materials that are created, but nonetheless, so the density of that concrete, it feels cooler. Um, that's subtle. And this is just where language doesn't really answer <laughs> a good job at answering this. It's more of a, a sensation. Yeah. Uh, cause it's not like when you step on cork, you could feel a give in a cork floor. Yeah. You don't, I don't feel a give in the earthen floor, but it feels softer mm-hmm. in some real subtle way. You know, I, I know that. So I'm standing there. I'm like, that is an earthen floor and that is a concrete floor. I would love to do a blind test of like putting people on them and feeling it that way. <laughs> like the Pepsi <laughs> Coke but, challenge. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. Earth yeah. concrete challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, um, uh, one thing I definitely notice is that there's a sort of jarringness on a, a concrete floor. Like you, you feel yeah. it, feel it in your joints, uh, sort of yeah. all the way up your spine almost. And that, yeah. you know, you never notice that that isn't there with an earth floor, but it, you sort of notice it when it's, when you're on a concrete one. Right. Yeah. It's subtle, but you feel the difference when you walk mm. on the other one. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, so, I mean, we've talked about benefits then. What are the negatives? Um, as I mentioned earlier, this, the smell of the linseed oil curing um, is something that not everybody loves, but it can mm. linger for months. Yeah. And that process, I use the oil. It's more often than not, the, the toxicity of an oil is in a, the choice if you're going to buy a higher quality oil or less quality oil. But nonetheless, even the highest quality oil, you need a solvent and that solvent is going to help the oil get in the floor. Mm-hmm. The solvent flush um, oxidizes fast. So the lingering smell you're having isn't um, an, a toxic experience. Sure. It's 
just a smell, but a smell can be irritating or uncomfortable um, in the space. So that could be something people don't like. Um, as for my typical earthen floor experience, uh, it, installation, I do three quarter inch finishes or one inch finishes on subfloors of wood in homes all the time. And I do that because there's a lot of homes that I'm just putting them in the existing structures. Mm-hmm. You could do lots of other things, but that's a, um, a common thing for me in Oregon and the urban environment that I'm in. And that I could do in a two and a half week window. Yeah. And I've got it down to two and a half weeks. And it used to be much longer in my other experiences because I hadn't figured out some drying details and various things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's short, but you bring that to a contractor or a homeowner and they're like, two and a half weeks? <laughs> I can't walk on it for two and a half weeks. And I'm like, I have made this short for you. Like, you don't <laughs> even know. So um, the shock value of that, so... Um, requires contractors to be in really good planning and communication and all that. Yeah. Um, so time and the smell are the main things that I've come up as the like negatives. I, I, the time is probably the one that I've, I've come up against most. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, yeah. When it gets to that, that sort of part of the discussion, I always yeah. feel a little bit sheepish when I'm saying, you know, to be safe, I you just, shouldn't walk on this for three weeks. Uh, yeah, I tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tell people I'm here to slow you down. <laughs> but I did that to myself. I did an earthen floor recently, and I was like, "Oh God, it's taking so long." Um, but whatever. <laughs> and then the other thing I just thought of as we were saying it, um, there's ways of making things very cheap, mm-hmm. um, but usually that has to do with you're doing all the work yourself and you're not considering your time in a financial way. And so earthen floors can be less expensive if you harvest all the materials and you do it yourself and you're only buying oil or something like you get, you got sand, you got everything else on site, but, and that's wonderful way of doing any of this stuff. Well, natural building, you know, in the roots, but you hire me to do an earthen floor for you and people sometimes have this concept that it's going to be cheaper than it is. And so mm-hmm. costs, my earthen floors are in the zone with high end earth, high end wood floors. Yeah. So they're in a comparable to other floor options, but there's a, an unfortunate misconception that earthen floors should be cheap. Yes. Um, when you're hiring me or hiring a contractor to do it, they're very labor intensive. And if you have labor being paid for as one should pay for their labor, <laughs> um, it could be more expensive than one would have imagined. Yeah. And it's highly specialized labor as well. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not, yeah, a, you not know a thing that everyone knows how to do. You know, there aren't instructions on the packet when you dig some mud out of the, you know, the garden. It's... <laughs> you got to buy my book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but it's still labor intensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like a fun labor intensive, but yeah, I mean, if you're in construction, everything's labor intensive, you know that, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what are what are the components? Uh, you have sort of mentioned them already, but yeah, uh, well, besides whatever's going on as a substrate or you know, all the things that you would prepare for your space, those are different answers for different scenarios, but mm. the 
actual mud itself, it will depend on the clay body, the soil clay body content of what you're working with, but you're going to use a heavy clay soil mm-hmm. and some sort of aggregate sand is the most common one. And you'll ratios of sand to clay is dependent on your clay body. And straw is the fiber that I use in earthen floors. It's mm-hmm. what grows in the valley that I live in. So it's abundant fiber. Uh, rice straw is a California. St- um, Northern California has a lot of rice straw growing. So they usually use rice straw as their fiber. Mm-hmm. And people have used cattails. All sorts of things have been used, but some sort of fiber. I have also used synthetic fiber um, that is plastic that is in the concrete industry. I don't like it, <laughs> but it could be used. Yeah. Um, I've also used paper fiber, but I don't, I've not done enough to experiment to know it actually is doing what it needs to be doing. Yeah. Well, so you we've, need long- we've, we've hit into a little fiber stride now. So I'm just going to bring out the, my, my fiber chat. We're going to get into, oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. into the geeky side. Um, okay. I wanted to, to bring to you, uh, there's a thing uh, I found called Rami. Are you aware of that? Mm-mm. It's Rami? A, yeah, it's a nettle fiber. Uh, oh. And uh, yeah. Sounds it's, exciting. <laughs> it's magnificent. It's, uh, Does it sting you? <laughs> no, no, it's just glorious. So I, I let someone have a sample of it and they went, Oh, it's like a child's hair. <laughs> they were rubbing it on their face. Oh, um, soft. Yeah. And there's but so lo- there's long fibers. Long fibers. Uh, and you get it from if you get a, a long bit of nettle and you yeah, you, know, you break it up, you get those long fibers that Yeah. Run. Uh so it's kind of like hemp. The yeah. herd of the hemp too. Yeah. Yeah. So so there's that and then there's another type of, of uh nettle, there's sort of European nettle, I think, uh that's a bit more uh how would you describe it it's a bit more i don't know crinkled uh it's a bit more oh huh uh, like sort of the difference between curly hair and straight hair okay yeah some curly haired nettles yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so that's uh that's my my latest uh fiber revelation and it's it's sort of chop it yeah you You get it it. yeah yeah and it's um yeah it sort of almost feels like the synthetic stuff, but a, a softer, you know, not, huh. not plastic or glass. So. Yeah, the plastic one that I've used, what I didn't like about it is that um, if there's any fibers that are at the surface that are kind of sticking out in any in any way but laying flat, they don't lay down. They, yeah. they just want to stay in the direction that they are. They don't soften and stay in a position that's like got a turn to it. And so that's where the synthetics fail in that yeah. way. Yeah. They're like a stubble. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> There's, yeah. I don't like them. I, you could maybe melt them off, but I, yeah, I just don't go there. But yeah. if someone had to. If you didn't happen to have any natural fiber. Yeah. If something's going on, someone's, people have asked me, all sorts of things. I just use the same stuff all the time because I like just having the answer there. But mm. people have always asked me about using hair. Can I go around and get hair? I'm like, I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> you can do it. I think it'd work. But I'm not going to go to the barbers and get hair. Get a straw bill. It's easy. <laughs> we had a, <laughs> a, a farmer who was a neighbor of one of the builds we were on uh, who shaved off some of his cow hair for us. Oh. And it's probably nice short length, not 
too yeah. long either. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. I that imagine was nice. it was a little stinky. Stinky. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nice, nice bit of cow smell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, so that's another fiber. Thinking of fibers, um, I don't use it in my world because it's just not as convenient or easy. But uh, manure can be used uh, yeah. as a fiber. Yeah. Um, I like dry, uh, dry horse or cow. Um, don't use wet. Wet can stinky, and it's hard to like spread it out. You know, distribute mm-hmm. it evenly because it's clumped together but if you have an access to some manure and you could get it dry or it is dry and then screen it so you can get whatever chunks out there's a there's a double benefit of using manure that i've liked the fibers there and it's small and it's nice looking that way but there's enzymes in that digestive process that show up as kind of this gelatinous quality that help spread the material um, in a way that clay does, like it just mm. is more buttery and spreads, but it doesn't act like clay in that it doesn't shrink back. It just helps make it easier to spread. So it's a wonderful yeah. um, product. So I, in some situations I have done it because it's at a farm or whatever people have wanted it, but it's not a product that I want to be dealing with all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Bags of it. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> Wait, I have a... I have a shitty, dirty floor for you. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that. <laughs> no, that's staying. I like that. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> or you can put blood. You can put blood on it too. It could, you could go all over. You know, with all the natural products. But yeah. <laughs> so back to the basics of the materials. So you oh. got you got a you got a clay soil. You got sand, and you got some sort of fiber. As mm-hmm. we just discussed, all those fibers, and then as we went to it in the oil it needs some sort of penetrating hardening material oil mm-hmm. is what i use blood is when what people have used before um, you do need something to help get you know something sticky like oil needs something fluid like citrus to help it penetrate into the floor because you want as deep as you can so mm-hmm. you have hard surface um, i use a blend of linseed oil tongue oil pine rosin adds some more density to it too and citrus is the the solvent that gets in my mix and then there's some beeswax in there too Uh, beeswax in the oil yeah there's a little bit of beeswax in my oil Mm -hmm. that's interesting are you still doing a a top little finishing coat of beeswax or do you no (laughs) yeah Uh, because it's in the oil or because you've just decided it's not we'll be back after a quick break Hey there, I'm Mick from the Mick and Pat Show. That's right, and I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at the Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, a combination. You want me to tell you all that right now? <laughs> I can. Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Okay. We're, we're skipping around, but we'll come yeah, back yeah. to the basics. <laughs> if anyone's well, still so listening at the end, they'll... Uh... It's, a, it's a little bit of the basics, like the steps that I do. I oil it all and then 
after it's been oiled, this is more process. Um, in the past, I would sand it and then I would put new wax and then I'd put a coat of wax on it, as you had mm-hmm. just mentioned, Jeffrey. I now I sand it and just rub oil in it. And it's all about reducing how much time I'm in people's spaces again. So putting wax on, you got to let it cure overnight and then you buff it and then you got to let it cure for another seven days or something. Mm-hmm. At least sometimes longer if it's put on too thick or too cold of an environment. And so when I sand it and just rub in oil, I don't have to come back. Yeah. It's going to cure in a couple days. And so I can keep that two and a half week window for people's install. And it's hard to tell people how to do wax because you could over wax easily. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, it's just, and then you got to get the wax off. It just becomes more challenging. And then as for the result of the surface, I wasn't finding enough of a difference my floors, how I do them, are such high sand content, such low clay content, that there's a lot of space for the oil to go in there. So when I'm putting wax on, it's not staying on the surface to create the shine that one might think wax would do. I would have to put a lot more wax. I'd have to do wax and wax and wax to like fill up all of the space to eventually have some sort of surface treatment. Mm-hmm. And that's possible. It just is a lot more oil and or a lot more wax yeah. all possible. Just I'm trying to make two and a half week window and $11 a square foot, you know, like just trying to make it like, these are the things you can do at this. If you want to go further, we could do it. But those yeah. are the answers for the basics. Back to the basics. Back to the <laughs> basics. <laughs> um, what about uh, colors? Oh gosh. That's, that's beyond basic. But yeah, you could do anything with color. Um, I love putting color in floors. You could, you're going to get a color from the clay body. That's the main source of color if you don't put any pigment in your mix. Mm-hmm. The sand does affect it some. Some sand, most sand that I experience around here is dark. But I have worked with some sand in California, and it's like blonde in color. And it does have a tone that it will lighten the floor a little bit, but the clay body has the more, um, has more effect on the color. Yeah. Uh, that being said, you, you could find the right clay body that you love. And if, you know, I work with a reddish clay body up here and I, I have been able to pigment it practic not white. Like, I mean, I could get a white floor, but I don't really want to install a white floor. Mm-hmm. You could go there, but you could bring your clay body pretty far away from the color that it is with pigments uh and pigments again have variety of options in that you can find natural sourced pigments meaning they're being harvested from the landscape somewhere and processed yeah or you uh... can when you buy chemically produced pigments basically like an example of a chemically produced pigment iron oxide is just rust And that's something you could find in the landscape. There's reddish soils that have thick iron oxide veins in them. But if you're making mass amounts of pigment and your manufacturing company, you're bathing steel in chemicals to to rust it and and then, you know, scraping off that rust and you're just rusting your, your iron with chemicals. So it's just a chemical process versus eons of time that made that rust (laughs) um and the convenience what we have you know the result of convenience is what chemicals do to the environment so that's where people can make choices around their 
pigments. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, natural occurring pigments are more expensive. Um, so that could bring in some choices. You could do a pigment that's in your clay body, or in your mix, your mud mix, and you can use more pigment if you blend it in that way. You can also do a clay wash that has color. And so a lot less pigment needed for a wash because you're just paint brushing kind of milk consistency color all over your surface after mm-hmm. you've already troweled your floor, after it's dry. Yeah. Would you call that an Elise at that point? An Elise is too, n- no, I call it a clay wash mm-hmm. um, because Elise, at least in my experience, and I don't know if there's a dictionary definition of it, but Elise is heavy clay. Yeah. And you don't want heavy clay on the surface of your earthen floor or you'll lose penetration of your oil. Mm-hmm. So Elise's are more for walls that you don't need to be putting oil on after. You're just putting a nice, colorful landscape drawing on your wall or whatever yeah. you need to do. Um, just one color. So all the Elise recipes that I've used are heavy clay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clay wash that I do, there's a little bit of clay. There's more mica I, or sand. So it's mm-hmm. like more like two parts sand to one part clay and pigment to taste and a lot of water, like 16 parts water. Yeah. Something like that. The recipes in my book. But nonetheless, it's, it's more of like milk that's getting the color out. You're just washing this color. It's not sticky. You want it to be just thin. The oil will penetrate through it. There won't be a resistance. There won't be cracking. It's just color. Mm-hmm. And it does, a, it does a good job. You could go opaque with it by doing a lot of color yeah. um or you could have more of a translucent quality by um having a little less color so both yeah. are possible and the oil goes through quite well and that's a way that you could do um patterns too you could you know make a shape in your floor or do a transition between one floor one room and another you could you can write your name on it you could do anything well <laughs> you could do a lot i wouldn't say anything cuz it is a it's like not quite watercolor experience. You know, it yeah. doesn't bleed out that far, but it will bleed a little. So it's not fine, fine detail, but yeah. it's a easier way to, it's a less expensive uh, material wise way to get your color. Mm-hmm. And honestly, actually you're able to get more vibrant color when you do a surface treatment like that, because more often than not your clay body that you're working with for the actual floor mix is dark in the color of the clay and so you have to add a lot of color to it to get you add a lot of white in order to add some blue to get kind of a green there's a lot of pigment involved but as a surface you could use white clay and mica's white or white sand uh and the clay body and so you could get something more vibrant Uh right yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) well we're rattling through the uh the questions this is great (laughs) Um, yeah. So here, here's one that I get uh, asked a lot. Is it not dusty? It's not dusty. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> um, back to why we can define an earthen floor different than a dirt floor. Mm-hmm. Dirt floors aren't sealed or they're sealed with trowel surface and water and you're just like trying to keep the dust at bay. Mm-hmm. An earthen floor, or the modern world of earthen floors, however you want to define it all, there's oil, or some sort of sealer, but oil is what I use, penetrating half inch into your floor. There's half inch of something that's not dirt anymore. 
Yeah. It's plant plastic, basically. There's plant plastic saturated into your floor. There's there's no dust potential at all with that sort of situation. If you were to um, damage your floor deeper than that half inch, you would reveal um, the part of the floor that can dust again, mm-hmm. but you would be fixing it right away and you don't keep that going on. You put oil on it right away. You fix it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're they're not dusty. They're only yeah. dusty if you don't clean them. <laughs> <laughs> then and maybe you, walk you around need to with, dust. <laughs> yeah, you might need to mop your floor every once in a while. It's a moppable floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, we've talked a little bit about embodied energy, haven't we? Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the best. Uh, it's a good thing to be thinking about yeah yeah definitely i think it's something i don't know how things are over with you but there's over here there's a big sort of trend of like the passive house uh Mm, yes and i see so many buildings that are huge amounts of concrete with huge amounts of foam insulation Uh, Yeah. yeah and the amount of energy that must go into building their home for them to say it's zero carbon uh it's like zero carbon after how much of that energy has been repaid like how long are you right Uh, well my understanding is the use of a building it does like using the building over time especially if it's built to last Mm -hmm. requires a lot of energy so to make a home that's not going to be using energy is valid and important and we've had convenient energy so we're not used to considering energy and mm-hmm. so to take the next step of actually having as little energy going into the construction of something is something we're just, we're just not quite there yet in a mass consciousness way. Or yeah. We're barely getting to low use buildings in a mass <laughs> consciousness way, right? So it's just a step of, of, of understanding energy use. And us natural builders have, whether we've known it or not, we're working with materials that are low embodied energy because of just what they're, they're in their nature mm-hmm. and the knowledge of what is low embodied and the knowledge of low and low use energy in a home is a great thing that's going to come together over time. I would say that there's been, you know, the green builders, you know, to, to put it in little camps, the mm-hmm. green builders haven't paid attention to embodied energy as much, but they're making homes that like don't use as much energy over time because they're very, insulated because they have sealed the gaps of air they've, yeah. and they've made it that you just don't need very much. You could use a hairdryer and your home would be comfortable. That's valid. But I would say that in natural building, there's been lots of single pane glass windows, no insulation cob walls in places that don't make sense. And so you mm-hmm. have to put a lot of energy to live in that home. Yes. So you got to do the math on either one. And hopefully the most intelligent buildings are to come in that we're actually having low embodied energies, low embodied buildings that don't use very much energy over time. That's where we can go. And uh, that is coming together, I would say, even, yeah, even in the passive house movement, I think that there's some people in that world that have, you know, asked more questions. Oh, I just thought I saw a car. (laughs) 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 Anyway, that conversation is happening more, but um, until you know something, you don't know it. And so I think that it's just taking time to um, find out that there's another world of like, oh, 
there's understanding of how to use local materials. Oh, I could use cob or whatever. Yeah. It's, and it's also like those natural materials don't have loads and loads of money behind them. They're just sat. In, yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're they're not, not advertising themselves. They're not product, productized. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Very often. But many, yeah, I don't know what it's going to take, but it feels like, yeah, I, I think it'll just take that energy just gets so expensive and they're going to have there's industries that are going to have to seek other answers. It's not like everybody knows some brand of cement. It's just like there's cement made here. There's cement made there. There's cement made here. You know, there's cement made in every place of the world. Mm -hmm. Just like bricks used to be made everywhere in the world. We're just not making bricks anymore. We could make Adobe bricks everywhere in the world. We just don't, you know, those are productless things in a way. So I think it's the cement industry that could take on bringing in, lower embodied energy products in the, in the earthen realm, you know, that, yeah. that can happen. And, you know, hemp's going to take off in products. They're going to go crazy with products and that'll be fine because that'll be an insulation that's actually natural. And, and someday the mushroom insulation is going to take, you know, there's, there's things that are coming, but you have to put it. It seems that in this current world that we're living in, though, things are changing fast. Yeah. Natural materials are coming into play, so that's exciting. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's hope those those sort of worlds collide. Uh, yeah, soon and and well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know we're we're kind of on a a fast ship. Yes, there's an iceberg, everybody. It's melting. Yeah. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> Um, okay, so this this is a question that came from uh, one of our patrons, actually. Uh, so it's a question about suspended floors, uh, and you've mentioned it uh, a little bit already. But mm. I think certainly in this country, the idea of laying an earthen floor over wood, a wooden substrate, uh, I think concerns people a little bit. Ooh. Yeah. What would you say to that? That's pretty much 95% of what I've done. So um, <laughs> I've done more than floors on wood substrates than I have on other substrates. Yeah. Um, That's totally the opposite way around for me. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I've done many, many, many. You just need an engineer. Uh, I mean, the best answer is that you make sure your substrate is ready and able to take the amount of weight um, and it won't deflect very much there's mm -hmm. a discussion of deflection in my book but nonetheless this is very common in any uh construction process that's going to put any sub any tile or cement floors the substrate just is um is ready for that yeah that being said most code is building a substrate even without putting the specs in for the weight of that is enough uh, I'm not the engineer, but I, I just asked people, I just discussed um, early on the project, the weight of it and all that. So yeah. I, when I put the earthen floor on a wood substrate, this might be what people will help to feel more comfortable. I only put three quarters of an inch down. Yeah. Hang on. What's that in? What's that? In oh, three quarters of an inch. I don't know. It's <laughs> like two centimeters, 20 mil. Yeah. It's a little bit of a thumb digit. Yeah. It's not much. <laughs> uh yeah 20 mil is that what yeah it is? i think that's 20 mil so that's not very thick right that's yeah 
common thickness of installed wood floor or common thickness of installed tile floor on a plywood substrate mm-hmm. is three quarters of an inch. That's why I brought it down to three quarter. I did, I did some tests to do thicker and thinner and, um, and made sure that that worked because that's a common industry's thickness. Yeah. Um, and so that much weight is substantial, but it's not um, outside the realm of what most buildings could hold. Mm-hmm. And then as for like the do-it-yourselfer, when you're not going to hire someone to like re-engineer your home, I talk about that in the book too, but basically you just lay down on the ground and have a few people jump around and see if it bounces. And if it bounces, you're like, maybe not the right place for an earthen floor. <laughs> or go underneath to see what you need to do to uh, bring in some more structural support. You just don't want it to bounce. And yeah. then as for that, after that, you don't want your wood to get wet. Uh, yeah whether it's plywood or other sorts of wood framing underneath what are, water's not going to get down underneath the plywood. It's the plywood that you don't want to get wet. So I lay down some sort of vapor retarder. It doesn't need to be plastic. It's just something that stops that moisture for the couple days that it's really wet when you mm-hmm. first install it from soaking into the plywood and having the plywood ripple because it will right. take moisture in the ends and ripple. So there's a product I use, but it doesn't matter. You could use wax paper. Um, just something that stops it from being wet down there. Yeah. And then wherever it meets other surfaces, especially if it's like the end grain of a piece of plywood for another floor installation somewhere else, mm-hmm. that needs to be taped off. So you just want to think about where moisture is going to be touching and sitting there for a couple of days as it cures out. Yeah. But as for outside of the structural stuff, three quarters of an inch is really quick and easy to install. Yeah. And it dries faster than something thicker. And you're getting about a half inch of oil penetration. So there's plenty of space for the oil. And yeah, I've done thousands of square feet of earthen floors this way. So that's do it. Proven. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> um, it's always going to be the case, but I think maybe on wood more than other substrates um, because wood moves differently than um, mass materials. Mm-hmm. So wherever the floor is meeting an outside corner of a frame, like if you're going down a hallway or you're going into another room, the corners of the wall move a little bit differently. They shrink swell differently than the earth floors. And so cracks can happen off of corners. Mm -hmm. So you could install like a rubber bumper. This is getting geeky. Um, (laughs) um, On the outside corner of that framing before you put your earth and floor up against the outside of that. Yeah, that outside corner. So, again, geeky, but that's one answer. <laughs> that's what I'm here um, for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the concrete industry really has a lot of answers for all this. They've been doing basically just what I do, just with a different material. There's, mm-hmm. there's, and that's where I actually lean on when I am, because I sell a product. I've sold materials to other places that I can't physically go and install, and so I just have them find a cement concrete contractor and I talk them off their little concrete ledge and then they install the floor and they're like, wow, that was fun. (laughs) I don't have (laughs) concrete burns. Hooray. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Great. Uh, So then I think we're, we're nearing the end of the, the the beginner questions underfloor heating. That's, that's not even a question. That's just me saying words at you. Uh, (laughs) How does it how does it work with underfloor heating? 
Works great. So there's a couple options of underfloor heating. You could do tubes that run hot water through them. That's called mm -hmm. hydronic heat. And then what heats that water is a whole different podcast. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> but the hot water runs through it and it's a heated, it heats the mass of the floor. And you want to be installing enough mud that there's at least an inch above the surf, the top surface of your heat. Mm -hmm. So if you have now, if you have 20 centimeter tubes, you need 20 centimeter plus an inch. So 20, no, I just 20 millimeter. <laughs> That's oh no. Okay. We, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to say it in English yeah. and you guys can translate. Yeah. So if you have a half inch tube, you need an inch and a half mud. Yeah. So you need enough mud over your heating source so that there's enough room for the mass to get warm is what the main thing is. And so there's also electric grids. You could lay these wires down on the floor yeah. and they are so low profile that you could just do that one inch on top of that and not mm -hmm. have to do an inch and a half. An inch and a half is the thickest I would ever pour a finished pour. Yeah. Meaning if you wanted to do thicker than that, you're doing um, more than one pour. Yeah. You could do a pretty thick base pour because um, you could mess with the cracks if things happen, but finish an inch and a half. Uh -huh. But either way, that's the answer here in my temperate climate and probably similar where you are. Mm -hmm. But in colder places, you're wanting more mass to be heated. So you're going to put your tubes lower in a subfloor, in, in that mass. So you're going to have a thicker floor, whether yeah. it's that, you know, in a, so on a wood floor, you'd have to engineer for more weight or you're, you know, lots of different answers there. But nonetheless, the heat in the floors add to that pleasantness of wanting to walk around on your floor all the time. Mm -hmm. And they work great. I've not had, they don't have um, cracking issues around the heat. Um, you want to have that heat either off or on low while you're actually installing the floor because you don't want your earthen floor to dry too fast in one place. So you want it yeah. to be an even drying. That's just during the install process. Once mm -hmm. you have it, um, it has a fine reaction to the heat. It's basically a, it's very similar to a concrete floor in that it's a mass of rocks stuck together instead of with lime stuck together with clay. And yeah. so it works quite well with the, the heat. So yeah, don't, don't hold back. No, I heat them up. Hot dirt. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, so if anyone had any uh worries about earth floors now they've heard that <laughs> done i think i think we've addressed all of the, the possibles um, yes so i'm interested to know uh about claylin well i as i mentioned i live in portland oregon and i came into natural building just i fell in love with it and just wanted everybody to have mud huts you know mm -hmm. and then i was like oh well it's not really realistic what's realistic and so i moved to i moved to the city i moved to portland i want like just to bring natural building into the city so i went through this like okay that's my step want to come here and then i was like well how am i going to do this here i need to be a contractor so then i became a contractor mm -hmm. because i was running into limits of being able to work for people and here in the states or at least in oregon you need a contractor's license. So I, I often think of like, how can I just get more people exposed to what I love about 
earth and architecture. And so I became a contractor and then it got to this point of like, well, I can't go and install things everywhere. You know, I'm not, I can't be in Arizona tomorrow or whatever. And I can't get to England, but you know, I just can't get everywhere. So I was like, what am I going to do? I wanted to write a book and I wanted to make a product. So at one point, you know, we wrote the book. So the information's out there for everybody to like make it yourself. Um, so I was glad to like share the book. Cause that just gives people the empowerment to like do it yourself anywhere you are. You don't have to find me and my product or even me. You could just do it. But then how are other contractors that aren't me in this area or even, you know, in a realm that I'm willing to ship it to, how are they going to install it when they're not going to like go and get dirt from the graveyard or what? <laughs> they're not going to do it. Um, so I created a ready-made product. There's a bag that holds the mix of clay and sand to the ratios that I have figured out for this clay body that I work with. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bag of straw um, based on the ratio of the bag of clay mud, or the mud. And then the oils that I use are, um, developed for earthen floors. And so I sell more oil than actually anything else because there's so many people that want it. Well, there's more people that want to install their own earthen floor from that book or from their own experience. And they just need to seal the floor with something that works. And my oils are non-toxic. And so this is the highest quality earthen floor oil right now. And so Claylin is more of an oil floor (laughs) (laughs) manufacturer. distributor than the mud but um i would say in its current state it's it's like i said more oil distribution Mm -hmm. than anything else and consultation so people will send me their dirt (laughs) a little bit of their dirt and a little bit of their local sand and i'll work out a recipe for them because that's you know when you're buying the product you're getting this it's already been worked out it's mm-hmm. not going to crack. It's got the right ratios. And that's the big learning curve that people, that anybody is challenged by when they're trying to do it themselves um, to get the right recipe. So if you send me your dirt or you send me dirt and your sand, I'll make up a recipe. So making people's recipes and selling them oil is more common than me selling the actual product at this point, okay. which is fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have the product. And then another step that I've recently taken with the product um, like I said, it's majority of the mix is sand. And so I sell people just my clay body and tell them how much sand to get from their local yard so that there's less cost for shipping. Yeah. Um, so that's another way that I'm just trying to help people have more foolproof answers to their mix. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that's where Claylin is right now. Claylin, the name clay. And Lynn is short for linseed oil. Those are the two like sticky magic things uh-huh. that hold it all together. I wonder so, where Lynn. that came from. I've never yeah. considered that Lynn was obviously linseed. <laughs> yeah. Some people think there's a name of um, a clay body called Kaylin, which some people know yes. of. And they think I'm relating it to that. I'm like, no, that's spelled <laughs> with a K. <laughs> <laughs> um, I seem to remember... Like way back when I should have thought about this before, like how long was it maybe 10 years ago when I met you in Oregon and you taught me how to make an earth floor? Probably, you'd know more. But I I seem to remember there being, uh, I I can't remember if it was you that brought it up or someone else, but this idea Mm. of like 
perhaps like a slight sheepishness about this idea of selling dirt in a bag uh, uh, to people. On my part? <laughs> yeah. Or like, I can't, it might have been that someone else like was sort of questioning like, how, how do I feel about dirt in a bag? Hmm. Um, how do you, uh, how do you feel about it? Oh, I mean, if it helps people have an earthen floor, I'm absolutely fine with it. Um, I get, I get caught up in like, what's the bag made out of? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, plastic bag. Um, and you know, my purest mind wants it to be that I'm not selling people dirt in a bag, but for for the ease of like people making a decision to make a high quality low embodied energy floor and I'm going to help them make it without trial and error and stress and all the things that can go on if people don't really want to take all that on mm-hmm. then I'm okay with it I have a parameter of how far I want to ship something yeah. oil I'll ship all over the country I won't ship it to England but <laughs> <laughs> or maybe anyway we'd have to have a conversation about how much needs to go because there's a volume amount you know like if you could ship on a actual ship Mm-hmm. And it's enough, you know, like for actual, like if you fill a whole pallet, it would make sense to ship four drums of oil somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, it would make somewhat sense. But the part of embodied energy, one of the parts of embodied energy is how far and the, how far things take require energy to take you know, mm-hmm. to spend, you know, oil to burn, to drive that thing. And so I follow loosely the guidelines of something called the living building challenge. They have guidelines of how far something should ship based on its weight. So earthen floors are heavy. So I am willing to send the whole mix, the mud mix to Oregon, Washington, Idaho, California, cause that's kind of in the zone, mm-hmm. but to send or a little bit, in, you know, at least like the West coast here to send just the clay. I'll send it a little further. Cause then the majority of the weight is being purchased and used from probably 10 miles of the building site versus yeah. 500 miles from me. I don't know what the kilometers are. Um, anyway, so there's like those embodied energy parts, um, are something that I consider, uh, it's transportation more so than the plastic bags, even though I get caught up on plastic mm-hmm. bags. <laughs> but I tried paper bags and it failed horribly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess the reason I asked that, so I've, I've very much, uh, I've, well, I don't know if I've followed in your footsteps or if I've just wholesale mm. stolen your, your business model. Uh, Do but, it. But yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've spent the time and I've sort of developed a, an earth floor mix with a, a brickworks. Uh, who, who have got this clay and uh, and I Yay. sort of justify it as I'm not selling them dirt I'm selling them like the the process of uh, yes you know of, of going through all you of that. figured out what that dirt is going to do yes they would have to do and yeah oh yeah and save them it's, failing and there's embodied knowledge in it it's not just there's you have wisdom and knowledge on how to work with that recipe you know that clay mm-hmm. body i yeah i'm totally fine with it <laughs> yeah good thank you I, put my mind at ease <laughs> oh so and now that you've said that i'll have to tell you that um actually the person that just recently tried to call me um i've never done it but this is a funny t-shirt or bumper sticker i have i 
wanted to make since I started doing it of like, I work with dirt bags. <laughs> <laughs> so if I get that on a t-shirt, I'll <laughs> get one over to you. <laughs> nice. Perfect. <laughs> I mean that in the kindest of ways. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like I'm there to help people make, you know, good choices and I'm going to help them all the way through. Mm-hmm. So me selling them a bag of dirt, I feel. And, and then as for, I don't know, people get caught up in like, well, I don't know what their limitations are, but maybe people are like, oh, you're making money off of selling dirt. I'm like, yeah, I am. I have wisdom. You're getting all of this for this, you know, like, and basic business models are you have to make money to survive. And so I'm not going to just share with you information all the time for free, you know, like, I mean, you did Either buy the book. book. Yeah, I yeah, I wrote you all information out. You can do it all yourself. You don't have to buy anything from me. Yeah. You can buy it for twenty dollars on Amazon, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I feel totally fine with the selling the dirt and I love helping people do that. And I really love when people send me dirt and I make a recipe. That's yeah. That's pretty fun. Because then I get dirt from all over and I get these weird little, like, oh, here's their dirt. <laughs> Have you got just a, a kind of workshop of, of all these different samples? That's- well, I recently um, removed my garage and built a house for my parents and then put a shop above it for me. And mm-hmm. in the process, I got rid of a lot. of I had a lot of dirt. <laughs> all that precious dirt is gone. <laughs> <laughs> There's more developing. I've got some more piles, but it, it's a smaller pile now. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had any dirt in the mail in a little while, so. Oh well, hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, you should send me some of your dirt. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Send me some well, of your dirt. I want to see what see what well, it does. Cultural exchange. So, yeah, I'll see if I'll I'll come up with my recipe on your dirt, and you tell me if it's similar. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Don't well, tell me it. I'll I'll no. come up with mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be surprised. <laughs> Oh, I want to do it. Yeah, we should do it. Ace. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. It's it's nerd time. Uh, okay. All right. So, yeah. So, like, we've we've hit on oil a lot, I think, but it seems to be uh, so. It's a big part of the the process. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, linseed oil, mm-hmm. boiled versus raw. So boiled is a reference of an historical way of actually heating up linseed oil Mm -hmm. to a point. And there's a temperature point. I don't know exactly what it is. And if you go higher than it, you could destroy it, but it's anyway, heating up and it starts the polymerization process. It starts to have those little chains develop. And by having it start, you put it in there and it's faster because already some of it's happened. Mm -hmm. Again, convenient modern lifestyle of chemicals have made boiling a chemical that they put in the oil. Yeah. So most typical hardware store boiled linseed oil is full of chemicals. So I personally don't like it, but the oil that I use, we actually do the historical um, heating up process. I really. Yeah. And so if you don't heat it up and you buy raw linseed oil, it likely is just linseed oil and that's great. It's just raw linseed oil, mm-hmm. but it will take a lot longer for it to cure in your floor. That's what, fine. What sort if you of don't have any of, of longer. I think maybe a couple months long. I mean, I don't, oh. I've never done it, but I, I think we're talking, it could take a while. Yeah. Um, 
and then the the lingering smell I think will last longer too. Uh So it's worth finding out what that boiling point is. (laughs) I don't (laughs) know what it is. It's like probably that you sit it out in the sun with a glass window over it would probably be something that would be um, not bringing it too hot, but it's something worth figuring out. If you're going to want to do your own raw linseed oil, find out there's reference in my book to a book that talks about this historic thing. Hmm. And if someone writes me an email, I would actually find that out for them, but I don't have it yet. <laughs> Top of my fingers right now. Nonetheless, you don't want to overboil it, but I personally don't want to use the chemicals that do the boiling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's very hard to find a truly boiled, you know, it actually boiled heated linseed oil as a, as a product. Correct. Credit. Um, Correct. I don't know the products in your country, but, um, there's a couple, um, you know, manufacturers of oil in this country that do that. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, here's, here's probably the question I see on talking natural homes most when it comes to earth floors. Oh, okay. The, uh, the question of thinning down your oil. Oh yeah. Uh, and people get really angry about it and for for the people listening at home there's a the theory that you should thin down your oil with a thinner uh so it penetrates better and then people get very confused some people think you should thin down the first coat so it gets in further and some people think you should thin down the last coat so it gets in further i do it all the same there's the same mix all the way through yeah that's what I do. <laughs> Probably because you taught it. me years ago. Yeah, yeah. I told I <laughs> I've tested this for years. That in um I'm not sure which way I used to do it because I used to do it one of those ways. And that's mm. um my understanding is that that practice comes out of working with wood, and wood's different than earth. Yeah. And we brought in linseed oil or you know, putting curing oils into earth from the wood industry like they're the ones that were using linseed oil more than we whatever we weren't here mm-hmm. <laughs> they weren't doing this dirt and floors at that time and so that practice of thinning more or thickening more, whatever either way i've tried all three i've done tests on all three i actually had better results with the same all the way through and the key to it is that i put all four or more coats depending on how many you want to put on at the same well in the same day mm-hmm. and why that's key is that all of the oils going off starting to polymerize all at the same time yeah so you're not having to like use some solvent to get through yesterday's polymerization Mm -hmm. to get deeper into the floor you're just putting it all on at the same time and then it all starts to go hard at the same time i mean it's not like it's instantly hard it's not a quick quick but i think that those layers of oil that you're thinning more or thickening more i'd have to get really geeky to know which one is what but it's more more to do with the density of wood and what you're doing with wood. And so people could argue all they want, but I've done the same act about 25% oil. I mean, a solvent to my oil mix. Yeah. Or four coats at the least, sometimes six coats all in the same half hour and a half hour, half day. Yeah. And I've done it for thousands and thousands of square feet and it's better. I've done tests to test it. And then I've done it now for years and years. So Mm -hmm. don't argue anymore. Great. There you go. The internet. <laughs> listen. Listen. They, they call me the professional. I've done more floors than you. Just do it that way. <laughs> Perfect. 
There's, there's no uh, argument now on. No more arguing, please. <laughs> um, we mentioned uh, blood. Have you done blood? Blood. No. Would you do um, blood? No, because I have such a nice oil. But um, I guess in like some situation that they really wanted to, we would figure it out. But my understanding, both in like thinking about blood myself that's come out of my body it's like blood coagulates pretty fast yeah so you have to keep it warm or you have to like have a fresh kill or you know like there's just a lot involved and it's blood and blood's got pathogens and there's just things involved that i would want it to be fresh and i'd want to have a lot of like parameters of like cleanliness going on and all that is possible i mean i would probably do it more so like in a ceremonial place like someone wanted an earthen floor and they were farmers and they you know, we're taking one of their animals and they were ready and they wanted that to be part of it. Like yeah. I'm game, totally game. And they know a lot more about blood probably than I do. So we would just do it. But like I said before, I'm, I'm a contractor. I come on the job and I want it to be that people are already questioning what the heck I'm doing. Yeah. I'm pouring an earthen floor. I want to have all the answers and this is it. I do this, this, and this. And so I'm not going to bring, not bring blood in. You're not going to um, lead in the sacred cow. Not, and, not in the, not in the 90% of my jobs. But I, like I said, if it was something that a client, a client wanted and you were willing to go down the line of like whatever it took, then I would be into it. Yeah. I see. I, I really want to do it. I, yeah. I just, I want to experience, I don't want to have to warranty it. Uh, or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to but, take some liability on that. Yeah, but as a, I'm, I'm just <laughs> eager for someone to say, I want to do a blood floor. Uh, and yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be there. Um, there you yeah, go. And, Maybe I, this and is, I'm like a vegetarian. This is uh, yeah, I, I don't particularly like blood, but you're a vegetarian, I, is what you said. Yeah, are you a vegetarian. Yeah. Oh wow! And you want to do that? That's yeah. wow. That's cool. But I, I think for me, it's um, there's such a historic <laughs> record of it. Uh, and I was just talking to uh, a spoon carver called Jane Mickleborough, and she was saying that she bought this cob house in in Normandy, and there was an earth floor in like a little back room, which was obviously used as like the the, the butchery uh, area, and the, oh. the floor was so solid, and uh, yeah, know, yeah, all the all the blood, and then she sheepishly admitted that she'd just dug it up <laughs> no. oh, yeah I feel curious for sure yeah I'm curious I want to <laughs> maybe I'll do it on a small version um well ventilated. Where I, yeah yeah there's just yeah there's a lot of other things at the top of my list than that one yeah. but I think it would be way cool and I invite somebody who would want that to call me up when we do it <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll or you, and, you, I'll you, come and visit whoever side of the no, it's on. Yeah, you do one on your side. I'll do one on my side. <laughs> <laughs> there's cows over there. There's sheep and cows everywhere. <laughs> maybe go. I mean, maybe there's different different animals have different blood, but I have no idea. <laughs> We're into conjecture now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Here's here's probably the the other uh, big argument that happens online: vapor barrier or plastic plastic sheet or uh certainly yeah. when you're going on to grade uh yeah. the argument being vapor uh, vapor moisture could could come up from underneath and into yeah. your house yeah 
And I guess the argument against is that if you put a plastic sheet down, then water going down is then caught. Yeah. How, where do you sit on that argument? Oh, I put vapor bears in. Um, do you? I'm a, I, oh, yeah, I'm a vapor barrier girl. But I <laughs> am fine with people don't doing it. And if you don't, the issue of water getting through down to the vapor barrier should not be an issue. You should have enough oil and it should be that you don't have holes in your floor that no yeah. water is going to get down there. And the small amount that ever would, if there was a crack that allowed moisture in, if you have a warm space, meaning anybody's living in it, it's not mm-hmm. just a cold, deserted building, that amount of moisture is going to heat up and evaporate and come back out into your space. Yeah. The earthen floor, the oil is vapor, like vapor can move through it. So if water were to get underneath that oil layer and, and I've tested this and know this, but if the warm space is going to heat up any moisture that's underneath it and bring it out back, I've even had big water accidents go on it and be able to dry it out. Mm-hmm. You might disrupt your surface a little if you have a big accent. But nonetheless, warm spaces are going to pull moisture out of that space. And you're not going to, like, have water just sitting there, like, decaying forever. You know, it's not going to stay down there. Um, But it shouldn't be getting down there anyway because you have a sealed earthen floor. And you're Mm -hmm. maintaining it. You're not letting, you know, your child dig a hole in it or something. Um, And that being said, if you have a space that you don't have a vapor barrier down underneath and you have a slab on grade, moisture is going to come up. It's not if, it is. It's going to come up through into your space. Mm -hmm. It can get through your earthen floor oil and it'll be in your space. And that can be a health issue over time, especially if you're in a damp climate. And if you have anything laying on the floor, especially if it's plastic, it's going to hit the bottom of that plastic and it's going to condense. And then you're going to have water condensing potentially growing mold underneath a carpet or underneath um the couch or you know various places if you have your bed laying on the floor so that's an issue that i think is worth putting plastic down or if you don't want plastic because you're just not into it then you just need to know that moisture is going to come up and you're going to dry out you can use only natural fibers on the floor and you're going to dry those wool blankets out or wool carpets out every summer Mm-hmm. And you're just going to live with it. You're going to have moisture in there. If you're in a wet environment, you're going to have more. You're going to really w- do what you can to make sure that your gutters are getting water away from your building because you don't want extra moisture. You just want what's in the square foot area of your floor, the natural water to be moving through. But if you have like gutters not protecting the water that's coming off the roof and then you're getting rainwater down and you know, you don't want more. Mm-hmm. So it's good science to, I think, have a vapor bear. But there's ancient times that we've never had vapor bears. So I get it that people <laughs> don't want to use plastic. And plastic is an evil in, in in a way in the world. So don't use it. But know you're going to have moisture in your space. Yeah. And don't get mad at the earthen floor people for that. You know, like, just know <laughs> what you're going to be doing. That's what you're doing. You're having an old floor. But oil that is on the floor, I guess can be seen as somewhat natural and and historical but to press thousands of flax seeds requires machinery and modern technology so anyway just pick your fights i don't know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i you know embrace what you need to embrace like if you're gonna use plastic that's fine but if you don't use it that's fine just know that your space might have moisture yeah and make sure you 
any floor that has very bare or not, you're sealing your floor well with oil. And if you have a crack or a, um, a ding or a opening up of the floor surface, you just put oil on it right away so that no moisture in your space could get down into your non oiled section of your earthen floor for multiple reasons. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess um, the argument is that we're trying to move away from putting plastic in the walls. You know, we're all very mm-hmm. conscious of, of making this very much in quotes, breathable, you know, moisture permeable mm-hmm. 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 building. Mm-hmm. So yeah. To, to then go, oh, well, yeah, except set the floors. Uh, seems, uh, yeah, seems yeah, a- that's valid. I hear that. Um, I'm not as geekable in the wall systems as I am in the floor, but mm. there's a lot of natural materials in your wall, wood, insulation, all those things, hopefully all the way through that don't want to be wet. Yeah. And, and anyway, they don't want to be wet and you put a piece of plastic in them and there's going to be some sort of condensation spot. And so the things that are up against it on one side or the other, depending on you know, dew points, they're going to get wet. You don't want them to get wet. You don't water, you don't water in your wall systems like that. Yeah. Um, I guess it's, you know, you can have you, all the materials that are underneath an earthen floor can get wet and dry out. That's fine. Um, and anyway, <laughs> I'm rambling here, <laughs> but, um, I, I am just hearing your point and I'm liking it. So I'm trying to see, you know, if you take it out, basically you just have to consider that you're going to get moisture in your space. And yeah. that is a breathable system if you're doing that. And and if you have things on the floor, then they're likely going to get damp from that situation. So you have to like, you have to live differently when you're having moisture. And when you don't put a vapor barrier in a wall, there's much more air movement coming in and out. That's like, you're in, the, out, the wall is in the up and up outdoors. But yeah. if you have water coming up into your space, and then you have it on your floor. I mean, I guess if you have good ventilation in your space, that moisture is going to go out too. So I guess I, I, I've been, I'm willing to hear your point and maybe think <laughs> a little bit differently about it. But I've been in the place of like vapor bear. That's a place I'm okay with it. I, I don't like vapor bears in walls because of all of those natural materials. And if, I mean, I have an old wood house. If I put my plastic around my building it would it would destroy my house quickly mm-hmm. um because somewhere in the wall system it would have condensed water and it would start breeding you know bugs yeah. whatever and all the things that would want to slowly decay my wood um but i don't want to bring moisture in my space from below but maybe yeah. i'm okay with it so i'm i i hear your point and i <laughs> I'm willing to think a little bit more about it, but right now I'm still without going further into some science around it, feeling more comfortable with leaving vapor bears in floor systems. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly as, as you've said, you know, you've, you've laid many thousands of, uh, of square feet. And... Well, like I said, I mostly do framed structures. So yeah. the vapor bear is on the ground and that's a place that I also think is a really smart place because vapor is going to come up. And if you've got framing just like two feet above ground and moisture is just coming up, your wood floor system is going to get damp. Wood doesn't like to be damp. For, well, it's fine to be damp. It's just going to start start to decay. Yes. So, damp you know, you want to protect out. your wood. Yeah. And but you, you haven't seen any failures because of using one. 
you just know no, some I, of the consequences no. of not. So, yeah, I've installed some without, and that's been the result has been moisture um, condensing underneath anything yeah. laying down on that floor. And I mean, many of them have even been heated and it still like can get through and the wax could discolor. It could be a little bit um, funky on the wax. Yeah. In the, even when I haven't done like super wax surface, there's wax in my oil and it's discolored because moisture's come up. I'm actually dealing with a floor because of that right now that doesn't have a vapor barrier. Uh-huh. And I think that that probably over time would decay the oils. I don't know the science on this, but I'm wondering if, if the oils stay damp, if that weakens their polymerization chain, their, their mm. chains. So I would have thought once, once they've polymerized, I would too. It's not, it's not, you don't go backwards from that unless they do degrade. Well, they do do degrade, don't you? You do because of heat though. And and Mm. UV, I'm not sure if water does it, but thinking about it, the discoloration that I'm trying to solve in this one floor, I'm wondering, I mean, it is a vapor issue. um, If the discoloration is showing a degradingness of the floor, or is it just like the efflorescence of like the salt, the wax? Yeah. The salts of the wax. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. The vapor barrier. (laughs) It's a hot topic. There you go. Well, yeah. Inconclusive. (laughs) Yeah. I pretty much go for them right now, but um, I get told that I'm a mean person that way sometimes because of that (laughs) or whatever, or they don't, people don't agree with me. And that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) I've lost my purity. (laughs) Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. That was such a joy. Uh, Sukita was a wonderful, wonderful guest. Um, as you can probably hear from that, I really enjoyed talking to her. So, a couple of things about earth floors that we didn't necessarily talk too much about. Earth floors are an excellent source of thermal mass. Uh, they store heat very, very well. And when Sukita was saying they felt a little bit warmer underfoot, uh, they actually hold the heat a little bit better than, say, a cement floor, which is also thermal mass. And I also just wanted to say a little bit more about making wood floors suitable for mud. Uh, if you've got an existing timber floor, you can beef up the, the joists. One client I worked for glued and triple screwed all of the floorboards to his main focus was that he didn't want any squeaky noises. And what that actually meant is that we had a perfect substrate for, for earth floor. 
So that's if you're in an existing building. And if you're building one from scratch, you just need to really make sure you haven't got deflection. Uh, so that could mean putting in extra pier foundations or, again, beefing up those floor joists. Shortly after recording this episode, I received a, a message from Sukita where she said she's going to do more geeking out about vapor barriers. Um, she says, what feels true is there are lifestyle choices to consider with different building choices. So the answers are different for different households and bioregions. This is a super, super last minute edit that I didn't think of while I was recording this. We recorded quite late into the night uh, due to the time difference, so maybe my brain wasn't the sharpest. But to do with the uh, the vapour barrier or putting plastic underneath an earth floor, I have done predominantly earth floors slab on grade. And I always have the conversation with the client uh, giving Sukita's recommendations that there might be moisture um, and you know, any rugs need to be um, natural materials. And so far, I think all but one of my floors have that the clients have gone for no plastic under under the floor. And I have never heard back that it's been an issue. I've never heard back that there's any moisture. So it's an interesting one. I suspect a lot of it is to do with how good your drainage around your house is, uh, probably the soil type as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting to compare anecdotal evidence. Um, yeah, so I just thought I'd throw that in at this point, uh, just in case anyone <laughs> still hadn't made up their mind what they wanted to do. One thing I didn't get to get into with Sukita, which I quite wanted to discuss, was just how good the Oregon natural building scene is. In fact, that whole west coast of the States, it's got a really vibrant and, and strong natural building scene with, with so many people up there. It's actually my hope to get enough money together to travel that, that coast and, and record lots of uh, podcast interviews. As always, links will be in the show notes. Um, and I just noticed if you're one of those people that listens on Spotify, then the show notes, the links are, don't work at all. So I think I can put one main link in, uh, which will take you to my website. Um, and that will have the, the full list of links. And that will go for all of the episodes. So two podcast recommendations for you. First up is Cut the Craft podcast. This is a great new podcast focused on craft and the crafts people that create it. Uh, and secondly is George the Poet's podcast. Uh, it's called Have You Heard George's Podcast? I'd recommend for that one. Just start at the beginning and listen through. Um, it's a, a kind of collage of spoken word, musical interludes, uh, storytelling, really insightful and beautifully put together. Um, and there's a couple of episodes that will leave you utterly floored. So I highly recommend you get on that. And the final, final thing is just to say, many of you, maybe, I don't know how you've discovered this podcast, but uh, you should check out my social medias. Um, the Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I don't really understand Twitter. Don't go on there. Uh, you can find me as Jeffrey the Natural Builder. And if this is your first episode, then subscribe. Listen to more. Enjoy. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 